and welcome to episode 78 of Lime Ninja Radio. I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and with us all the way from lovely La Jolla, California, is our certified show producer and the brains behind the business, Aurora. Hello, and I'm so excited to share today's interview with the author, Dorothy Leland. She's written a new book, What to Do When Your Child Has Lyme Disease, A Parent Survival Guide. But before we get into into today's episode, we want to let you know about our free Lyme Ninja Brainwave Breathing Cheat Sheet. Thanks, Rora. Some experts believe that a big part of Lyme brain is the dis-synchronization between the left and right hemispheres of the brain. And I also notice in my Lyme patients that their blood oxygen levels tend to be slightly low. What this all adds up to is the Lyme brain symptoms you're so familiar with. Problems accessing words, accessing names, forgetting things, easily confused and overwhelmed, and even word salad. And that's when your words come out all jumbled. Brainwave breathing is a simple and powerful technique to clear brain fog. It's easy. Anybody can do it anywhere. And it works. This is what Lime Ninja Jilouise B has to say about brainwave breathing. Brainwave breathing helps me to mentally relax. It has a meditative quality, too, and definitely helps me focus. There really is no negative aspect to this technique. I even did it while driving in my car. It may have looked a little odd, but who cares? If you want to get your free Brainwave Breathing Cheat Sheet and video training, just pop on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com for the details. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com. Alrighty, Aurora, tell us a little bit about today's Lyme expert. Dorothy Kupcha Leland was a published author when in 2005 her daughter became so disabled she was forced to use a wheelchair. At that time, Leland didn't even know what Lyme disease was or what a huge controversy it was. Her new book, Your Child Has Lyme Disease, a Parent Survival Guide, grew out of her experience with Lyme disease and Lyme disease activism. Written with psychotherapist Sandra Berenbaum, LCSW, it's geared toward helping families navigate the difficult waters of dealing with Lyme disease and all that it entails. Thanks, Aurora. Here's our interview with author and Lyme ninja, Dorothy Leland. Hi, Dorothy. It's McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hi. How are you doing? I'm brilliant. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You all set? Yeah. So are you, uh, have you read the book? I have not read it cover to cover. I have read parts of it thoroughly, and I have scanned the entire thing. Okay, good. It is an impressive document. How long did it take you to write it? Well, my co-author and I worked on it um, over a period of about three years. But, you know, it was, we both have busy lives. (laughs) And so we weren't working on it full time. And that's just how long it took to pull it together. And then my, my next question for you is, what inspired you to write a book? Because you are a busy lady, especially <laughs> in the Lyme world. You've got a lot going on. Why, why a book? Well, um, you know, I first fell into the Lyme world about 10 years ago when my daughter got 
sick for reasons that we didn't understand what it was. And I was always looking for guidance, and there didn't seem to be much out there for somebody in our situation. Certainly, when we didn't know we were dealing with Lyme disease, uh, you know, people just look at you like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. We tested you for, you know, X, Y, Z, and there's nothing wrong with you. And so, you know, go home and be well. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was very, very frustrating for the whole family. And I just, uh, I've actually had written some other books in my, in my past, and I kept looking for a book that would help me. Right. And once we got into knowing that it was Lyme disease and dealing with Lyme disease, at that time in 2005, there, were, there was not very much out there. There wasn't much online uh, in terms of, uh, you know, websites that had information on either side of the controversy. I mean, there just wasn't much information out there. And so I just had an idea that I eventually that I wanted to write the book that I wish I had, <laughs> you know, I wish I'd had available to me when, when my family was going through this. And it is just stunning to me uh, still uh, how much people have to go through just to get adequately diagnosed, let alone treated. And yeah. we all know treatment is <laughs> a, it's a whole other challenge. Yeah, absolutely. But it's... So, so the idea of offering some guidance to people in that situation was just something that I wanted to do. And my co-author, Vander Berenbaum, is a, uh, is a therapist, a family therapist, who got Lyme disease herself. She was already a therapist, and she got Lyme disease herself, didn't know it for a long time, had, had you know, very bad symptoms that nobody could figure out what it was. And finally, it turns out it was Lyme disease, and she got better with treatment. And so she started finding out how she lives, uh, well, she lives in Connecticut now. She was living in the Hudson Valley of New York at the time. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> Lyme disease That's there. where I got and mine. She, well, she started noticing that these people, she, she specialized at that time in adolescence, and the adolescent, troubled adolescents that were coming to her, after her own experience, she was saying, gee, maybe these people have Lyme disease, and many of them did. Maybe not all of them, <laughs> but right. many of them did. Yeah. And so she started um, really zeroing in on helping families you know, with Lyme disease. And so uh, when she and I, uh, you know, I started going to to Lyme conferences and she was from the East Coast and I was from the West Coast, but we would meet up at these conferences. And uh, so one day uh, at one of these conferences a few years ago, I was talking to her and I said, why don't you and I write a book? (laughs) And so so we did. And she brings uh, an amazing perspective because of her personal knowledge of Lyme disease and also her professional knowledge of uh, the, the way the whole thing affects families. And, and so I, you know, I felt like you know, my experience was one family and hers was the broader professional thing, but also uh, I'm involved with support groups and and advocacy groups now and through the years I have met 
so many people that I have to say, I when we were going through all this, I really felt sorry for myself, and I thought, you know, our lives were truly miserable, mm-hmm. and I realized that there are so many people that are suffering so much more than we did, and there's people that have many members of their family, many members of the same family all have Lyme disease, yeah. and they have to, you know, so their family issues are, are even more complex, you know, than ours were, and ours were pretty darn complex. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, that's how, that's sort of how this, this came into being. Well, let's, I'm going to continue to ask about the book, and then I want to ask about kind of how you, your story about how uh, your daughter got diagnosed, because I think it's important for people to hear the struggles, and it just validates their own struggle and kind of helps them a little bit. But in, in reading your book, it's, so I live in an old farmhouse that parts of it were built uh, in the early 1800s so i read a lot of like how to fix up your house books <laughs> that mm-hmm. were very much and your book is as close as i've seen in the lime world as like how to live with an old house but how to live with a child with lime it's incredibly detailed and and incredibly thorough and i it really has applications beyond it's like anybody who has lime in their life somebody with lime in their life could could use your book. It's really mm-hmm. fabulous bit of research and so much thought and care has been put into it. Well, thank you. That's very good to hear because that's what we were hoping to do. We were hoping to help people. Yeah. And you go through everything from setting boundaries to putting a medical team together to, you know, dealing with blended families. I mean, you really touch on almost on everything and like where where did this inspiration come from? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I have um, I have in recent years I have been involved in a number of of online support groups, Lyme disease support groups, and you hear every story in the world. You know, there's people that are children and old people and everything in between, and every different um, symptom, and uh, people, you know, one one treatment really helps one person and is horrible to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, so a lot of that, I think I've kind of, uh, you know, just sort of accumulated in my database, as it were. And uh, and so I tried to, to find things that people... Uh, you know, that, that people could relate to. We don't tell everybody's story in complete detail. I don't even tell my own story in complete detail. But we try to have, we try to get things in there that everybody could find something to identify with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't personally have, uh, have the experience of a child that has, uh, PANS or PANDAS. Right. Um, two different names for that. And that is a real challenge uh, that, you know, people that are dealing with that are, are really dealing with heavy-duty stuff. And so, but we have some information in there, and we refer people to resources for additional information. So we tried to to cast as wide a net as we could in terms of, of people seeing, you know, there's, there's options about schooling. For some people, homeschooling is the answer. For other people, it isn't. And... And there's, you know, a lot of variations in between what we think of as traditional school and homeschooling. 
there's a lot of um, different things that people can do. And so I'm hoping that somebody will look through that and get some ideas for their situation, even if we don't give them the exact answer. Uh, I mentioned support groups uh, when it was 2005 when I was first searching for information about this. And at that time, the only place that I felt like I got any useful information at all were a few online support groups. One was uh, LineNet.org. Okay. And another one was California Line. And uh, there may have been some others, but those are the two that I remember just, I would spend hours when my daughter was asleep, I would go to the computer and I would just scour those to, I was so hungry for information yes. and I would read people's stories that might be different from mine, but maybe there'd be one little thing, <laughs> one little piece of information. I go, ah, and then I would Google that and then that would lead me down another path. Right. And one of the things that was certainly true then, it's still true now, you have to do your own research. Even if you go to the best Lyme doctor in the world, you still need to do your own research. You have to know what the different treatments are. You have to know different ways of dealing with herxing. You have to, you know, there's, there's, um, as I say, the best, even the, the top Lyme doctor is not going to spend a week with you <laughs> right. answering all of your questions. Right. And so, I think that I am a big fan of online support groups or if you're lucky enough to have one in your area, uh, in-person support groups. Mm -hmm. I live in the Sacramento area, Northern California, and I helped found uh, a line support group there that's been meeting for seven years. And it's not the same people. We have a few people that are still there, but people, you know, come and go as yes, their needs are there. Yeah. But it's it's a way, and I can observe other people where they might ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it, but somebody else in the room does right. or has some ideas. And so it's that whole, um, the trendy term now is crowdsourcing. <laughs> <laughs> and you're kind of crowdsourcing, you know, hey, I've got this idea, I've been having this symptom, and I don't know how to handle it. And maybe you'll get three or four different ideas from the room, and maybe only one of them is a good idea for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you hear it, you process it, you hear what other people have to say, and that sort of thing. Now, my support group didn't—we didn't start that support group until later, after my daughter was substantially better, because I couldn't leave the house when right. she was better, worse. Right. But but I was those online support groups were were invaluable to me. Now, and so what? As a mom, what was your biggest struggle or biggest learning? going through this that you would want to pass on to other moms? Well, in the very beginning, I would say that I went to the doctor. You know, my child seemed to be my previously healthy child. They had these alarming health symptoms. And so we went to the family doctor. And up until that point in my life, 
that was all you had to do when you had a problem. You went to the family doctor and, and it got taken care of. Maybe you got referred to a specialist or something, but it just got taken care of. And it was so frustrating and discouraging to, to, to get non-answers, to get unhelpful answers, to basically feel like we were being ignored and kicked out of the way by the medical establishment that I had to get to a point, and it was a process, but I had to get to a point where I kind of felt my own power in the situation, and it's like, no, we're going to make this decision, and we're going to go this way, and I talk a little bit about it in the book where we've gone to a whole bunch of people and, um, you know, doctors and specialists, top, top specialists, and they were saying, oh, well, we shouldn't let our daughter be in a wheelchair hmm. and because she should have to, to work harder to walk. Well, you know, you have these top experts telling you that, but in your momitude, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the kid can't walk and you want to get from point A to point B. (laughs) What do you do? And so at a certain point, we had to say, you know, we're just doing this. We're doing this our way. And, and so in my mind, that was a turning point where I may have privately thought, well, some of these experts don't know what they talk, what they're talking about. Uh But that was really the turning point for me where it's, clear that that's not going to work, and so we're going to do something different now. And I think a lot of people have that kind of a situation where they kind of need permission to go against what their doctor is telling them, Hmm. and yet of the people that I've talked to in the Lyme community, pretty much anybody that's gotten better has gotten better has reached that point where they walked away from traditional medicine and went a different path. And and so I guess the message that I would say to other moms is do your research, you know your child, figure out what feels right for you and go in that in, in go in that direction. But I also understand there were plenty of times it wasn't like Oh, I thought I knew the right thing to do. There were times when I was completely flummoxed. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. And I think that that is the opportunity that sometimes being in a support group or being able to, if you can go to a family therapist who understands something about Lyme disease, that's, that's the important thing there, that somebody like that can help you sort out that sort of thing, and you can make the decisions that you need. But there are times when I know we felt like we were flying blind. Yeah. And we did ultimately put together, as Sandy talks about in the book, you put together a team. What specialties did you have on your team? Well, uh, my daughter, uh, well, we certainly uh, are line literate doctor that we finally got to and and we have very high regard for. 
Um, that's sort of the, the captain of the team, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, because my daughter was in a wheelchair and her issues were, uh, she wasn't paralyzed. Some people are in a wheelchair because they're paralyzed, right. but she just had intense body uh, pain all over her body. And so, uh, one of the things that really helped her was we found a specialized chiropractor that, that that aspect hmm. of, of what she was dealing with. She still had she still had other issues, but uh, in her case, uh, the alignment of her her neck vertebrae yes. uh, made a made a major uh. made a major contribution to her problems. And so, in in our case, uh, that was that was very that was very important. And subsequent to that. Um, she has always needed since then, even as she's been doing a lot better uh, in other ways, she has always needed that kind of um, body work of some sort, uh, either massage or chiropractic or, you know, there's different kinds of things, but mm-hmm. something to, because just in her case, that was, that was a really important part of the, of the, of the healing process. And I know uh, there are other people that have, uh, you know, certainly used um, acupuncture. I believe you're an acupuncturist, aren't you? I am. I, I, you know, m- my daughter was not real keen on that, <laughs> but I know a lot of people that have been uh, helped a, a great deal mm-hmm. by, by acupuncture. Uh, live mind patients, members of my group, that say that that, that 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 is one of the things that that, that helps you know relieve a, a great many symptoms, and other um, you know other kinds of other kinds of body work, plus something that was mentioned in the book, which was not our issue, but a lot of people with Lyme disease have um, problems with their eyes, different kinds of issues with their eyes, and there are special prism glasses that you can get that can help people that have those kinds of problems. And so sometimes children that have trouble reading, uh, that's the problem is is that, that, uh, you know, I, I don't know a lot about the specifics of what the issue is, but I know that prism glasses can help a lot of kids that have those problems with their their eyes tracking and stuff when they're reading. And so it depends on what, um, you know, I, you know, I know people that have problems with their vocal cords Mm -hmm. or they have, you know, a lot of gastrointestinal problems or whatever. And so, you know, the people have to identify what their issues are and find Find somebody that can help them with that. So it really goes back to what you're talking about, the turning point of saying, okay, I can't just rely on my family doc. I really have to take control of the situation myself. Yes, and it starts with learning what there is to learn about it. You know, you, you need to learn about Lyme disease. You need to learn the different ways that it can manifest. You have to learn about co-infections and, you know, that kind of thing because 
you know, as, as if we're talking about when the parent of a child, you know, that has this, you sort of have to be prepared what, for what might be thrown at you or what issues you might, you know, have to confront and also what you should ask your doctor about. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, you know, I hear people who say maybe they have Lyme disease and they have, you know, ABC symptoms and then they have this whole other symptom that they think, oh, well, that's not that's related. not Lyme disease, Lyme right? Disease. Yes, that's exactly. not Lyme disease. That's something else, right? Well, I've come to believe that it's all, you know, it, it can all be related. It might be something else, but it might also be related. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's important to uh, so. So I think for parents, one of the things that we try to do in this book without overloading them is to say. These are the things that you need to know about. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of information that you need to know about. And, and you know, there's a whole chapter that's uh, devoted to kind of the, the political, the, the IDSA versus ILADS, you know, CDC uh, kinds of things. But if you don't understand what it means for where something is, you know, the CDC surveillance uh, definition of Lyme disease, you may not understand what some of your medical people are talking about when they tell you, oh, uh, you, um, you know, this couldn't possibly be, have Lyme, this couldn't possibly be Lyme disease because right. of, you know, you only have four bands. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. positive. That's, that's the one that drives me insane. <laughs> And, and um, you know, so so that unfortunately, uh, I, 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 I've, I've said this in my blog before, it's like, like in a lot of, of things, if you have a lot of medical conditions, you don't necessarily, you know, probably, I mean, I'm the kind of person that would want to know whatever my medical condition is, I would want to know details about it, but you probably wouldn't have to know the ins and outs of, of what you know, one, you know, dueling medical opinions or something. But in Lyme disease, you have to understand that to understand what you're up against and to understand why your insurance doesn't pay for things that they should be paying for. Right. And, you know, if you are going to advocate for your child in the way that you need to advocate, you have to educate yourself. Mm. So let's let's talk about finances because that's one of the sections in the book. What I mean, it can absolutely devastate a family. And what what help is there out there? Is there any hope? Is there any help? There is some help, unfortunately. I wish there was more. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, uh, there is a lovely organization called the Limelight Foundation that gives grants, treatment grants for children that have Lyme disease. And their website is, uh, I think it's limelightfoundation.org. Uh, and they, they have given out more than a million dollars, uh, over a period of several years, uh, to, to people for Lyme for Lyme treatment, and it depends. Uh, you have to, you know, you they have some application process, and 
Uh, but I know people that that have gotten, you know, anywhere from four to ten thousand dollars from them for treatment, and so uh, that's uh, a good place to know about. And then uh, there is an organization called uh, LimeCap, which stands for Testing Access Program. Uh, program, I think it is, okay. and and uh, what that is, it, it will help pay for Lyme diagnostic testing, so if you're getting, you know, Western blot from identics or that kind of thing, uh, again, you have to fill out something, and you have to show, uh, you know, financial need, and but, uh, but you can get, even if you've already paid for them, uh, I think it's within the last 18 months. If you've got, you know, proof that you've paid for it, you can get uh, reimbursement for, if not all of it, at least some of it. And so that those are two things that uh, that are very helpful. I, I know a lot of people that have gotten gotten helped from that. There are uh, the um, the Lyme Disease Association, which is a national organization, has a program called Lyme Aid for Kids. Which was actually it was a fund that was started by the author Amy Tan, who has had quite a Lyme disease experience of her own, and she started that. And they give grants of a thousand dollars to uh, children uh, that I, I think I think it's under twenty one, and uh, for for Latin treatment. And so, I, you know, when I sometimes I blog about this, and then I get a lot of letters from people saying, "Well, gee, I'm over age, and I'm sick too, and I need the help." Right. I am not. I am not aware of an organization that does something similar um, for adults. If anybody knows about one, I hope they'll send me the information, and I would be happy to help publicize it. There are um, there are things that are not actually. Um, Grants or anything, but there's if you have you know typically people that have Lyme disease have to deal with a lot of uh, lab tests, or blood tests of various kinds. Yep. And yep. there is something called direct access laboratory testing, and it's a way where you go online. Uh, it, it, I think New York doesn't let you do it. You're in New York, right? Yeah, New York there is are- so restrictive that it's a pain in the neck. But. Yeah, there there are some states that don't allow it, but many states do allow it. Mm-hmm. And what it is is that you you go online to this. Um, there's various uh, various ones. One is called DirectLabs.com. Uh, that one comes to mind, but I mean there are others. I'm not necessarily pushing that one over the others. Uh, and you go online and you pay for the test. It's like let's say you're going to get uh, you no know, standard. Uh, um, you know, blood, you know, standard blood work. There, there's, you have to know the, what you're asking for and you put it in there and then you maybe you're going to have a thyroid test or whatever. And then they tell you how much it costs and it, and, and then you pay it with your credit card and then you run out a, you print out a label or a receipt and you take it down to LabCorp and you just walk into LabCorp and say, Oh, here, I want this lab work done. And you hand them that thing, and they say, "Oh, okay, here, come on over here, and I'll draw your blood." And it was—I mean, there's of one time a few years ago when we did this. I was comparing, and we would have paid nine hundred dollars uh, for the lab work that we got, and we ended up paying, you know, two hundred and fifty. 
Wow. Well, that's that was worth doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's not free. It's not free, but it's worth doing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there are other, uh, you know, there, there, are, there are things like that. And you generally, I have found out about those, you know, from online support groups. <laughs> Usually people talk about that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, those offhand are the sort of the, the, the only things that I can think of that are sort of direct financial assistance. But we have a lot of information resources listed in the back of our book. And, um, oh, another one is uh, NeedyMed, is uh, NeedyMed.org. And uh, that's really a clearinghouse, but there's uh, a lot of um, um, drug companies have something called PAP, Patient Assistant Program. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, Mepron, which is often given for Babesia, Mepron's very expensive. And I know people who have gotten free Mepron through these patient um, assistance programs. And so NeedyMeds.org has links to all of those programs. And so it's, and you can go on and search for your drug. I have never found anything like that that does anything for IV or Cephan. So that's something that a lot of people want and is often expensive. And so, but, uh, NeedyMeds also has, um, a drug discount card that you can just download and it just, uh, it can help for prescription drugs and it's not, uh, you don't have to be needy to use those. There's no financial aid requirement. Uh, you know, you just, um, you know, you print out the card and you take it into wherever you're getting the prescription. And if it's a drugstore that uh, accepts that program, you get some kind of discount for it. So there's and a, so again, it's it's not huge, but it's it's, it's a little of this and a little of that. Yeah. So there's there's a lot out there, but you really and you've done a lot of the homework of turning over the rocks and finding these these programs that really aren't advertised. They really it's like a secret handshake kind of passed on from from person to person. Well, there's a lot of that out there, and so that's that. You know, that was one of the purposes of the book was yeah. to try to get as much of it as we can. So if you have this in your hand, <laughs> you know, that, that you can say, oh, I need to know that. And so we point and say, here's where you can get some more information about that. Yeah. And um, so there's a, there's a whole aspect of, of school as well as to, uh, you know, if you want to homeschool, there's different ways of doing that. Or if your kid is in school, there are things like IEPs and 504 plans that um, allow them to get, you know, special assistance um, for various special aids. And again, we have a little bit of information about that, but a large part of it is pointing to if, if you're going to be involved in that, you really have to educate yourself about that. And there could be a whole book just, you know, just related to that. So, um, but, but school is a real, um, school is a real challenge for, for a lot of people. And why is that? um, Well, it's, it's because, uh, uh, it's for a lot of reasons, but a lot of times with 
with Lyme disease particularly, you kind of go back and forth. And you might have a day, the child might have a day where they're feeling pretty good and they could go to school and people would say, oh, well, that kid's fine. And then maybe the next day they can't get out of bed. Right. And it's not that they're malingering. It's not that they're faking it. It's, it's just that's the, you know, symptoms wax and wane. And also a lot of, uh, of kids hide what's going on with them. And so many people that have Lyme disease, you know, it's often called an invisible illness. You look fine. Right. You're just, you know, you're just sitting there. You look fine. Why, why do you, you know, what, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then also a lot of kids that have Lyme disease, the, the, the disease itself impairs their brain. Yes. They, you know, cognitively impairs them. And there was a time when my daughter, my daughter got sick at the tail end of seventh grade. By eighth grade, the beginning of eighth grade, she could not read a paragraph and understand it. Really? And sometimes I would read to her, and an hour later, she wouldn't remember that I had even read anything to yeah. her. Yeah. And, and so, you know, in our experience, the school district wasn't that sympathetic. <laughs> really? They don't, you know, it's like, uh, you know, what what kind of bill of goods are you trying to, you know, uh, sell us here? And even as my daughter got much better and eventually went went back to school, she did a an independent study program. There were times where she would write a paper or even get an A on a test. And a week later, she wouldn't remember the information. It mm. was like, you know, it was just lost to her. Yeah. Now, she, she, got, she got fine with that, and she ended up going to college and graduating from college with uh, um, straight A's all the way through college. This <laughs> was a, a girl that couldn't read a paragraph before. But, but it's like, that's, that's hard to deal with, and, and the schools often don't understand it. And so um, Sandy really wrote those chapters about dealing with the schools because she's, um, you know, she's had a lot of experience if somebody, you know, is in her area, she will sometimes, you know, their clients, she would go to school meetings with them and stuff and try to educate the the school people as mm-hmm. to what it takes to educate the child with Lyme disease. And so there's uh, the, the, it, it, schooling is very frustrating for parents in this situation. And something else that that I I, I mention in the book, and it and it gets I hear this in different variations a lot of times. Some parents, kids, kids complain about this. Teenagers. One time we had a teenage support group thing, and. Um, and a lot of the, the kids were complaining if they had, like most of the time they feel crummy. And so they, they can't do their schoolwork very much and they can't go see friends. And so then they have a day where they feel good and they want to go see their friends. Right. And their parents want them to do, do their the homework. homework. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, I was not actually part of that team group. My daughter was, was in it, but somebody else was, was, was facilitating it. And, uh, but a number of people reported back to me, my daughter and others reported back to me that almost everybody in the group complained that their parent, about that, that their parents wanted them to do homework. It's like right. you finally feel better. And right. in a, they viewed it as a punishment. You finally yeah. feel better. So you get to sit down and do algebra. Right. <laughs> wow. And, um, so I, I came around to having a different point of view about that. And one of the things that I say in the book is for that particular situation, the child will probably get more benefit from the time spent with friends than the time spent with their book. <laughs> and I think you should, if they have a day that, that they feel better, you should let them celebrate it and do something that, that makes them you know, feel, feel joy in life. Right. So that, that's your story there brings me to my last question there. So you talked about how you had to get to a different place with the relationship with your physicians. Did it also, did you have to get to a different relationship with your daughter for the healing to oh, really turn around? Very much. I had to get to a different place. Uh, and part of it is really, you know, even though she was, 13, 14, you know, when we were dealing with the, the hardest of things, um, there were a lot of things that I just had to let go of in terms of my idea of, of what, a, what a, a, a right way to do things. <laughs> and, you know, it's just it, that, and that, that it helps children to feel empowered if they can make choices about their own life, obviously you're not going to let your child do something that is, you know, way out of line. But in terms of, I mean, this is, this is a trivial thing, but my daughter, when she was, you know, in the worst of everything and was, was bed bound a lot, wanted her bedroom to be painted bright green, bright <laughs> lime green. Okay. And, that's not, it wasn't like, oh boy, let's just go out and do that. Uh-huh. You know, we did it. And she loved it. And I can't tell you how many people, adults, friends of ours, not members of the mind community, that would be over at our house and get a peek at her room and say to me privately, oh God, how could you, how could right. you want to paint the room that color? Right. And it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's just paint. <laughs> yeah, it's just the paint. And you know, after she was better and and you know went away to college and everything, the first time she came home, she said, "Oh, you have my permission. You can repaint the room." <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it, it now it, it's now neutral. <laughs> but you know, there are things like that 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 parents can sometimes get, um, you know, all, all agitated about that, that, that aren't worth it. And mm-hmm. that kids within reason should be able, I believe to, you know, choose their own clothing, choose the, their own color of their hair, <laughs> and, uh, you know, choose, you know, how they want the space around them decorated. And, right. 
you know, those kinds of things, particularly when you figure, you know, a young teenager who has is 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 in such misery and it's so limited in what they can do. Right. Why should my ideas of home decorating, you know, supersede that? Right. And um, as I say, that's a that that's a, that's a small example, but but a, but an example of the kinds of things that that you know you just have to. Um, you know, I, I, as a parent, had to come to a place of, you know what, we're not going to worry about that. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, so, so it, was, it, was, it was a learning experience on a lot of levels. <laughs> right. Now, Dorothy, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate all the experience and knowledge that you share in your book and that you've shared uh, in our little conversation that we've had. And I want to give you the last word, anything that you felt uh, or feel that's so important to, to share that I've missed, and then also where people can get your book or get in touch with you or website or any other online information. Um, okay. Well, you know, I think we've hit, uh, I think we've hit most of the, of the high points of the book. And, um, uh, one thing that, that I would mention is that we do have a chapter after the educating a child, uh, chapter. We have a chapter about after high school mm. and what that's, um, you know, that's a turning point for a lot of kids that have, you know, had major health problems and they're at a stage where they want to um, be, you know, they, they, they want to be independent and live their lives. And sometimes they can and sometimes they can't uh, in terms of their health situation. And we talk about, you know, sort of building bridges to the future and baby steps and even if you can't do Everything that you want to do right now, you can maybe do some of it, and ways of ways of approaching that. And so, I just you know wanted to know that I wanted people to know that we weren't just talking about little kids; we we're talking about you know older teenagers and 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 even you know, young adults. And you know, sometimes they're in a position to go to college; sometimes they're not. And sort of how you how you deal with that. Right. In terms of of the book, it's uh, the, getting the book itself, it is available on uh, on online online retailers like Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and um, and some other online retailers. And uh, it's uh, our website, which has more information, is limeliteratepress.com. And uh, I don't really have to tell this audience that it's L-Y-M-E literature. <laughs> I, I do tell You'd be surprised. They type it in and they say, well, it's not there. Right. <laughs> it, right. it is if you spell it right. That's right. <laughs> so, so line literate press and... Um, and the title of the book I, is When Your Child Has Lyme Disease, A Parent Survival Guide. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and so I, I write, I'm, I'm involved with the advocacy organization, LymeDisease.org, and I have a blog called Touched by Lyme that runs on that website. So if people, um, are interested in, in reading my blog, uh, they can go to LymeDisease.org and 
push push the little thing that says blogs. <laughs> and uh, and so I try, I write about a variety of things in my blog, but I generally try to talk about more of the personal things of how, how Lyme affects individuals and families personally. And so that's, uh, that's a lot of, uh, that was sort of some of the, some of the uh, stuff in the book was originally in my blog. So it covers, covers some of the same territory and there's new stuff all the time. So um, I really appreciate you giving me a chance to share this message for the world, from with the world, because as I said, when I was, you know, 10 years ago, I was in this situation, I was looking for information, and there was very little to be had. Yeah. Well, you've done a real service, and I know there's no money in uh, writing books and, and selling them as much as people would like to think that. So it's really an act of love and service, and so thank you very much from all of us out here uh, for all the hard work you put into that. Thank you. I remember going with a Lyme support group with you and uh, you recommending this book to one of the new members as a as one of the best comprehensive guides for Lyme disease that you've ever seen. Yes. Dorothy's done such a fantastic job and a documenting her trip through Lyme disease and distilling it into an action plan. So a lot of times with books, they kind of give you vague things of, of categories to do, but she gives really specific steps. So it's really almost a manual. And even though it's written with children in mind, I think it'd be very helpful for almost anybody going through the Lyme disease journey. So it's just an absolutely fabulous resource. And we're very lucky that Dorothy wrote that for us. Okay, if you need more Lime Ninja in your life, make sure you subscribe to us on your iPhone or iPad or whatever else device, whatever other device you're using, and that way you won't miss out on great conversations like these. Also, please leave a review for us on iTunes. If you're listening on your iPhone, search for us on the podcast app. Hit the search icon, type in Lime Ninja Radio. Next, click the big green ninja button, select the review button, scroll down, and select write a review. And make sure you leave us five stars. Thanks, Aurora, and thank you, ninjas. By leaving a review on iTunes, it helps so much. You'll help more people find this great information about Lyme disease. And last... But not least, this podcast would not be complete unless we educated you with another Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know ninjas can make a pound cake with only an ounce? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.